We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And if you thought that week one of the 2021 NFL season was dramatic and heart palpitating, week two did its darndest to say, hold my beer. For the second straight week, we had a Thursday night game that came down to the final ticks, but that was only the beginning. In the 4 p.m. Eastern time window of Sunday games, two came down to last second field goals that occurred literally within seconds of each other. And another went to overtime. But was that all? No, it wasn't. Because Sunday night also brought us a wild finish that could prove to have key ramifications in the AFC playoff picture. Hell bent, has all the drama been sucked out of the air? Or are these first two weeks just an appetizer for what's to come these next four plus months in the NFL? It was an amazing week of football. I loved the good for NFL close games. Uh, you know, anybody uh, watching on the red zone, we had a great time going game to game to game to game with all the excitement going on. Um, and I will say, yes, this is a preview as long as one other thing happens, and that's quarterback health, because last week looked like, you know, bad for the NFL with the injuries. Tyrod Taylor for the surprising Texans. We saw Tua go down for Miami, um, you know, just too many injuries, a big bends on the injury list now as well. Carson Wentz, I don't know how you sprain both your ankles. I've never done that, but uh, <laughs> that's a weird one as well. And, you know, the only good news in the quarterback injury front was your Chicago Bears uh, with Andy Dalton down and the future arriving in week two for Chicago. I hate injuries and I wish Andy Dalton all the best, but I agree. That was perhaps the best thing to happen to the bears to force them to insert Justin Fields in the lineup sooner rather than later. And we will talk about that in just a moment. What were some of your other takeaways from week two, Hal, outside of those uh, quarterback injuries? I mean, the other thing was the Jekyll and Hyde teams, as I call them, um, you know, teams that we saw in week one and you make that snap decision and say, this team is great or this team is terrible. And then all of a sudden week two rolls around and you say, okay, I don't know what I saw in week one. I don't know what I saw in week two. I can't tell if these teams are any good or any bad. New Orleans, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Miami, Buffalo, and the Chargers doing Charger things again. This was supposed to stop after last year. I. I just can't wrap my head around these Jekyll and Hyde teams so far in the first two weeks. It's like a yo-yo. <laughs> I feel you, Hal. But speaking of Jekyll and Hyde appearances, I think this team that uh, had a heartbreaking loss in week one came back dramatically in week two to show us who they truly are. And that is the Baltimore Ravens. They're amazing, dramatic, come from behind victory over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night, has serious potential, not just to shape the AFC playoff picture, as I said, but to shift the paradigm in the way we think about them and Lamar Jackson. The narrative coming into the game was, oh, Lamar Jackson, he can't play from behind. He can't play catch up to Patrick Mahomes and the Ravens. Oh, they're too injured to do it. The Ravens just 
through two or a dozen middle fingers at the cameras to the rest of America, and they showed us how wrong we were. Lamar Jackson, not only is he a very special athlete who deserves a massive contract extension, he is making growth as a passer. Just look at that touchdown pass he threw to Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown is taking a leap as a wide receiver in his third season in the NFL. He was great against the Raiders at week one. He was great last week. And with Rashad Bateman coming back, hopefully soon, Lamar will have the best uh, cast of uh, pass catchers that he's ever had in his career so far. And uh, he will only get better as a passer. But that game proved that once and for all, we, the Baltimore Ravens, we play our own brand of football, but we can hang with anybody and win coming from behind. I think the narrative that Lamar Jackson can't win coming from behind was all but busted last week. Amen, David. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I counted them out against Kansas City. Uh, the beginning of that game, I counted them out in the first quarter, and, and it, it turned into, you know, uh, probably one of the best games of, you know, the decade forget about you know this season to date it was just fantastic and um you know the other thing that came up in that game too is started watching it I, i'm gonna say oh wait a minute let me get to one other thing first let me just say the value of believing in your draft pick when you draft your quarterback you build your offense around that quarterback to maximize his skills and talent and i don't think we've ever seen a team do that as well as Baltimore has done with Lamar Jackson. And not only that, they trust Lamar Jackson to make the big plays where the stakes are highest. John Harbaugh saying, Lamar, you want to go for this? When they risked, if they didn't make it, giving the ball to Patrick Rose past midfield. But heck, I wouldn't have even kicked it to them because that would have given the Chiefs a 40% chance of winning had you punted it back to them because it's Patrick freaking Mahomes for crying out loud. You can't give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Can't give him any more chances. You trusted Lamar's gut instinct, and you trusted his athletic ability to make the game-winning play. Most coaches, sadly, do not do that. John Harbaugh does that. Yeah, exactly. And then the second point I had on that game, is it too early to start worrying about the Chiefs' defense? Ooh. They didn't look great in week one against Cleveland. And you said, well, Cleveland's a great offense. You know, they've got a ton of playmakers, strong offensive line. And then that defense just getting gutted by Lamar. And do you say, well, is it just two weeks in a row? They're just playing great offenses. Well, I mean, they're not getting a break this week. <laughs> they've got the Chargers. So is it the Chiefs defense or are we still making excuses for them after week three? So I, I'm really excited to see that. Yes, and a big problem the Chiefs have on defense, I don't think it's necessarily talent per se. I think it's lack of physicality. When mm. they went up against the Browns and the Ravens, two of the most physical, run-heavy teams at all football, they just got punched in the mouth time and time again. It's the lack of physicality that is the most concerning thing, and that could really come back to bite them come January, if not December. Exactly, because we saw when they went to the Super Bowl and won – for the first time in 2019, that defense reimagined itself during the course of that season and went from, you know, that finesse, uh, giving up big plays to all of a sudden, we're going to smack you in the mouth. We're going to take away your running game. We're going to hit your receivers over the middle. We're going to make your life difficult. 
And that was an entirely different defense. And it carried over into 2020 for the most part. Um, but, you know, until they ran into that Tampa Bay uh, maelstrom in the Super Bowl there. But I don't know, is it Super Bowl hangover? Or is it, you know, or is it like you said, it's just they're not at that point of being ready to go. And it's a long season. So we've got a lot to see. But I think this concerning signs to start with, with that Kansas City defense that I certainly didn't expect to see in these first two weeks of the season. Yep, you better toughen up or else, Steve Spagnuolo. You look too much like Bob Sutton's Kansas City defense. Go back to the Spagnuolo defense. Uh, and that's at least what Chiefs fans are saying. And uh, we'll get to them again later in the program. But now it's time for our favorite game, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this works, Hal. I will make a statement, and Hal is supposed to tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start in Washington, where Taylor Heineke will not, not, give back Washington starting quarterback job to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, I'm going to say an exaggeration. I love Dylan Heineke. Um, I just, you know, the NFL has a stigma against certain players of where they're drafted, how they come onto their teams. And, you know, you've got that veteran starter. If you can get him back and healthy, you know, there's that old, old, old axiom of you don't lose your job to injury, which, of course, is ridiculous. Um, speaking of Tom Brady, hello, um, <laughs> how he got if where he was to begin with. So that's baloney. But a lot of coaches live by that. And I, I think Heineke is a great fit for that offense. But at some point. I think Washington is going to get impatient. And if they have the option to switch out, they'll switch out again. Yes. The old adage goes that you don't lose your job to injury, but if there's an exception to that rule this season, it may as well have to be right here in Chicago, where I am, where not only will Justin Fields not give back the Bears starting quarterback job to Andy Dalton, Justin Fields will also have a very similar rookie season as Justin Herbert did last year. Truth or exaggeration? I want that to be true so bad because I am so on the Justin Fields bandwagon. I was, you know, praying for him to drop to 15 or the Patriots to move up and get him because I just love the idea of, you know, one of those does everything kind of quarterbacks makes the throws has the athletic ability has the smarts you know the one thing i saw with fields that was kind of troublesome and and that carried over from from some of his scouting reports was his ability to lock onto that first receiver uh which as we see with young quarterbacks in the nfl that can lead to defenses picking that up and picking off passes um, and you know, tucking and running when your first option isn't there uh, is also can be problematic for young quarterbacks. So I don't know if I'm ready to put them into that Herbert stratosphere. I'll say that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but oh, I'm hoping that's a truth because he has definitely has the ability to do it. Fingers crossed that you are wrong as well, Hal. And now we go to the Dallas Cowboys, where they have an interesting conundrum at running back. The Dallas Cowboys should not reduce the workload they gave Tony Pollard last week one bit and go with a 
pretty even split with him and Ezekiel Elliott. Truth or exaggeration? A hundred percent truth. One hundred percent truth. That offense thrives with the balance of those two backs. Zeke Elliott may be able to be a workhorse back. He's no Derrick Henry. I wouldn't give him 35 carries a game, but that Dallas offense, what Tony Pollard gives them, that change of pace, that receiving ability, that big play ability, you've got to have that in your offense. And I don't care how much you're paying your number one back, you play the players that make your offense the best. And in this case, it's Tony Pollard. They need him out there, just like last week. That's the blueprint for that Dallas offense. We are simpatico there. And for the first time today, we'll sound the simpatico. Yep. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, he is past his prime. I firmly believe that Tony Pollard is way too talented to give just a third of the carries to. He needs at least half the touches in that Cowboys backfield. He and Zeke complement each other perfectly. It is the perfect engine for this offense, especially if uh, secondaries take away CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper during a game. And now back to a quarterback situation in Indianapolis, where if the season should continue to go south, the Colts should not play Carson Wentz in order for them to keep their 2022 first round pick. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning, David. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I was like, boy, if, you know, the 0-2 start, you know, what if they're a top five, top 10 draft pick? Do you want to hand that over for Philadelphia as you, you get down towards the end of the season and the nitty gritty? And, uh, yeah, I think that's a 100% truth. Uh, if I'm the <laughs> if I'm the general manager there and it, it's getting close and you're in the, I mean, forget it, you're out of the playoff picture, you know, top 15 pick. I'm doing everything I can to hold on to that first round draft pick. And uh, I'm not burning that first round pick on a terrible year from uh, Carson Wentz where you don't even make the playoffs. Forget about it. 100% truth there. Boop, 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 boop. We are simpatico there as well, Hal. And now we go to the Carolina Panthers and that amazing, talented, young defense. It is time to put Brian Burns squarely in the conversation as one of the five best edge pass rushers in the NFL right now. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's a truth, David. Uh, he's been just fantastic this year. Um, the improvement since he came into the league as a first round pick uh, in 2019, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the strength. I'd throw him right out there with those Bosa boys. He is just, you know, he's, you can see the strength that he's added since he's, uh, and the work that he's done. Uh, behind the scenes to get to where he is today. And 100%, he is flying up the charts, uh, easily one of the top uh, pass rusher edge defenders right now in the NFL. Definitely. And in case you need just a small bit of evidence to prove it, look at that spin move he made on Ryan Ramchick of all people last week. Ryan Ramchick is one of the top two best right tackles in football, at least. And he absolutely beat him badly with that spin move. 
oh yeah i mean that was just nasty and like you said it wasn't like he was going against a third string tackle or anything out there you know this is uh big time players making big plays against other big time players he has just been you know a terror and basically the leader of that defense right now uh, i should say that number one ranked carolina defense right now yeah phil snow may be another carolina assistant that could be targeted for a head coaching job after this season should the panthers keep this up and back to those kansas city chiefs for a second the chiefs should no longer be considered clear-cut favorites to win the afc west this season truth or exaggeration I think we saw after week one, it was going to be a lot more difficult for Kansas City. And after week two, uh, we already talked about, you know, those those cracks we didn't expect to see from uh, the Kansas City defense. And, you know, we talked here on your pod in the preseason, David, as well, in, in looking at Kansas City's offense and saying, you know, they could be one injury away from a disaster. Uh, you know, with one injury to a skill position player. So, yeah, I think the, the cracks are there. I think Teddy Bridgewater has made such a huge difference for that Denver team, not just on the field, but the confidence of the team, the defense knowing, hey, we can make a mistake. We can give up a touchdown, a big play, and we don't have to worry about the game being over because the offense can't generate any points. They have that calm, cool hand at quarterback. They're comfortable with that. And, and that change in the locker room has been huge. Now, I'm not sold on Las Vegas's defense yet, um, but the way Derek Carr has been playing, holy moly, you, you can't take them out of that conversation. And we both know the talent that's in uh, – Los Angeles for the Chargers. So we had them in the conversation for Kansas City to begin with. And like I said, again, let's not, you know, overlook the fact that traditionally teams don't go back to the Super Bowl year after year after year. You know, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s. That was, you know, San Francisco in the 80s and early 90s. That was Bill Belichick, you know, somehow building a dynasty in the salary cap era. This isn't normal. This isn't supposed to happen. Teams are supposed to peak up for three or four years and then fall back down and rebuild back up. So, you know, factor in everything in Kansas City, the extra games that these teams have played going deep in the playoffs the last couple of years. The Super Bowl loss hangover, which is a real thing we see after year after year. And yeah, we might just see Kansas City as a wildcard team. I'd say, yeah, truth. There's a very good chance that they may be, you know, I'm not taking them out of the playoffs, but I'm saying there's a good chance they may not win the West and uh, not be that number one seed with that only bye come playoff time. And moving on to San Francisco, where win or lose this weekend, should Jimmy Garoppolo struggle badly against what is an atrocious Packers defense, the 49ers should insert Trey Lance into the starting lineup in week four, if not shortly thereafter. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to say exaggeration. You know, 
Trey Lance, again, young quarterback. You don't want to put your Super Bowl hopes on hold uh, and go through those rookie mistakes that we know are going to happen. I love the potential of Lance. I think he's a great, keep him in your back pocket right now in case Garoppolo is injured so that you still have a chance to run your offense. Because as we've seen with teams losing starting quarterbacks, things can go down in uh, go down the drain in a hurry. So, but otherwise, you know, the one time they got Jimmy Garoppolo through a season healthy, they made it to the Super Bowl. I think you got to give him a little bit leash here in 2021. So I'd say that's uh, leaning towards the exaggeration there. And we conclude our truth and exaggeration for this week with the ageless wonder of ageless wonders, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., who has started off his age 44 season by throwing nine touchdown passes in the first two games. So Tom Brady will have the best statistical season of his entire career in 2021. Truth or exaggeration? Going to throw more than 50 touchdown passes? Whoa, I had that. You know, that's a tough one to go on the, the truth. I could certainly see it, the way he started, the way he's motivated, those that offense around him. I, I, I feel like, you know, if I say exaggeration, he's going to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to give him any more motivation. I mean, my God, is he even human? He's just a machine back there. And I mean, just looking at Brady a year apart, I mean, week three in Tampa, that offense was disjointed. They were still figuring out what works for Brady and what doesn't work in that Bruce Arians offense. It was a mess around him. Uh, this year, it, everybody is clicking on all cylinders there. You know, I want to say that's an exaggeration, but it could very, very easily be a truth. Um, so just not to anger Tom Brady and the football gods, I'll, I'll go on record and say, yes, that's a truth. He, he's blowing out all his previous uh, single season achievements here because I don't see any evidence that there's any way to, to slow him down here um, right now. Yeah, plus uh, with the additional game in the regular season now, that opens up the window even more for him to shatter yes. those previous records. Yes, great point there, too. That extra game is, you know, he keeps throwing four touchdowns a game. You know, <laughs> he's going to be fine. Definitely. And now it's time for our segment called This or That. And in this segment, I just ask a question and have you choose between two options. And we start at the quarterback position. Who is the leading candidate for 2021 NFL MVP honors right now? Is it Derek Carr or is it Kyler Murray? Wait, I thought we just said it was Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> but if it only came down to Derek Carr or Kyler Murray, who would you choose? Oh, right now, week two, season ends. Who's the MVP? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a, oh, God, that's a killer. That's a coin flip right now. Um, you know, I, uh, tails it is. It's Kyla Murray. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Don't make me choose. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, make your case for Kyla Murray for MVP. 
I mean, first of all, who saw this coming? We knew that that offense was good. We saw it last year, but did we know it was going to look anything like this has been this season? I mean, they've just been an unstoppable force right now coming out of the desert there in Arizona. Murray does it all. He's, you know, elevated his game in every way that you can think possible. Um, You know, they're dynamite in the red zone. They convert on third down. He can, you know, he hasn't had to uh, rush the ball as much as he has in the past. He's been more of a pocket passer, and you're seeing that result uh, coming out on the field with those big plays, staying it, uh, staying behind the line of scrimmage and keeping his eyes downfield, and just the improvement in the accuracy as well. Um, you know, completion percentage up, touchdown percentage up. He's just been lights out. And how about that 70-yard touchdown pass oh. through to Rondale Moore? That was the throw of the year so far. My goodness, it was Mahomes in, dare I say. Exactly, exactly. And Rondale Moore on my fantasy team bench, I might add. <laughs> you know, the tears that were flowing from my eyes weren't just, you know, appreciating the great throw. I, oh, <laughs> painful. Uh, well, uh, maybe you should start uh, Rondale Moore this week against that atrocious Jacksonville Jaguars secondary, but we got to continue with this game for now. So this or that, who will be the hotter head coaching candidate come January 10th, 2022? Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, or Panthers offensive coordinator, Joe Brady? Oh, that's a good one too. I think I'm going to say Dable. I think he got hurt by the Bills run into the playoffs. I don't understand how he went back to Buffalo last year and wasn't hired. It, it's just mind boggling to me. The, the work that he did, not just in, you know, building up Josh Allen into a top quarterback, but that entire Buffalo offense, the growth of it in his three years, his background, his coaching um, you know, bona fides that he already has in place. I mean, Nick Saban, check, you know, Bill Belichick, check. He, he's got it all. He went off on his own um, offensive coordinator, multiple teams in the past as well. He, he checks every box you would want for that head coach. And, and again, don't forget that part of that Belichick background as well. He started out on the defensive side of the ball coaching as well. So he's got that full experience of understanding both sides of the ball, which is so important for the head coach as well. I mean, Dable just checks every box as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was criminal. He wasn't hired as a head coach last year. So yeah, he's got to be the number one. Yeah, and he is my top of the heap favorite candidate to be the next head coach of the Bears or Broncos should they decide to part ways with Matt Nagy or Vic Fangio after the season, respectively. And we talked about the troublesome, alarming signs of the Chiefs defense for two weeks, but Josh Allen has had a rather alarming start for two weeks, too. He has only thrown for a completion percentage of 56%. And his yards per attempt sit at a measly 5.3 after two weeks. So who are you more worried about after two weeks, the Chiefs defense or Josh Allen? Well, 
Josh Allen has Brian Dable. So I guess I can't worry too much about him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, um, he certainly, we certainly saw the struggles against Pittsburgh in week one, um, Miami as well. That's two teams as well that can really get after the quarterback. And I think the Buffalo offensive line looked a little bit out of sync to start the season as well. Um, wasn't clicking on all cylinders like they were last season. So I think it's a little more correctable there. I, like we said, Kansas City, uh, it, it's a little surprising and concerning to see that defense. And, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, in the past, um, we've seen his defenses tune him out, um, you know, in his other locations, you know, when he was with the Giants, um, you know, St. Louis as well, those defenses weren't as great as you expected from him. And it seemed like that could be a little bit of a trend with his defenses in that he gets them straightened out, he gets them on track, and then something happens and all the wheels come off and he's gone. In. And what the hell is he doing with Chris Jones this year by playing him out at defensive end as opposed to where he is the best at his position Aside from Aaron Donald, defensive tackle, please stop doing that. Agreed. Agreed. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Keep Chris Jones at defensive tackle the whole game, Spags. I think that's your first step toward getting this thing corrected this season. And speaking of Kansas City, we stay in their division. Which quarterback would you rather have for the next decade? Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? Oh man, that is, that is tough. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, is, how do you say no to Patrick Mahomes? My gosh. I mean, what he's done, he's only 26 years old right now. I mean, in a decade, he'll be 36 Aaron Rodgers age. I mean, you know, you're getting 10 years of prime there, but at the same time, Justin Herbert, there's still room to grow. He's only 23. You get all those, you know, 27 to 32 year old years as well. Um, oh, that is that's that's like an impossible call to make. I mean, yeah, David, you got to flip a coin on there. That this yeah. or that, you, you can't you can't lose with that, <laughs> and you can't be right with that. I mean, that's the impossible. You, you can't go wrong with either of these two quarterbacks. Oh, I completely exactly. agree. Uh, Jim Nagy, who is the uh, director of the uh, Senior Bowl, uh, tweeted out that he wouldn't have any other quarterback in the league over Justin Herbert for the next ten years. I slightly disagree with him. I would still put Patch Mahomes uh, in that category, but Mahomes is the only one I would prefer over Herbert, and I would only prefer Mahomes just slightly over Herbert right now because I fully expect Justin Herbert to become as good as Patch Mahomes is within the next year or two. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to be right there. That's going to be a fun division for a long time out in the AFC West, but I, yeah, I I'll give Mahomes. He's been doing it a little bit longer. So he's got a little more of the track record. So we'll give him the slight advantage there. I, I can get behind yeah. that. Yeah. But it's subject to change as early as the end of this season. And speaking of Patrick Holmes and Justin Herbert, they play each other at Arrowhead this Sunday. This is one of our two games of the week. And with arguably the two best quarterbacks, age 26 or under in this game, do you think this game could easily come down to the team that runs the ball better? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great point there, David, because limiting the touches for the for the opposing quarterback uh, with that big playability both teams have on offense, um, you know, both can extend drives, both can, you know, pick your poison, basically. But yeah, I mean, either team getting on track and, you know, getting Austin Eckler going for the Chargers um, or Edwards Hilaire for Kansas City. And neither one of those two have really been pounding the ball well this year. But to take over the game, the, uh, the, the time of possession, limit the, you know, limit Patrick Mahomes or, or limit uh, Herbert with the ball. I mean, that's a great strategy for either of these teams. And I can see a team running the ball, taking that extra possession before and after the half, and that just being the difference in the game. Yes. And which of the two running games do you trust more at this time? That is a tough one. I mean, I, I mean, Edwards Hilaire, other than that, you know, horrible fumble, um, well, credit well, Odafe Owe on that, man. Yes, Odafe I mean, Owe is legit. Yes, I mean horrible for him. Not that he did anything wrong, you yes. know. I mean, Owe just made made an amazing play. I mean, yes. l- let's call it what it is. But, but yeah, other than that, um, you know, but really, yeah, he hasn't really gotten on track. I think I don't even think he has 90 yards rushing in two games so far this year. Uh, for Kansas City. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Eckler. Not that he's been lighting it up on the ground, but uh, he certainly has shown the ability to do that and, you know, take over a game with a couple of big runs um, and be more consistent, ground out that four or five yards at a time if need be. So I'll give a little advantage to the Chargers there. Yes, and another way they could use Eckler is use him in the short dump-off passing game and yes. use that as an extension of the running game in case you're not pounding it well between the two tackles. And that's where Eckler shines. And Eckler uh, caught nine balls last week, and he could catch even more this week if the Chiefs want to play keep away. I mean, if the Chargers want to play keep away from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, even Kansas City, that's not uh, – passing the ball to the running backs has not been a big part of that offense, but – you know what? Maybe it should be. And, you know, if you don't love Edwards Hilaire in that role, um, well, who else they got? Daryl Williams? Yeah, he's not exactly a pass catcher either, but um, pull out Jarek McKinnon. I don't care. You know, you can definitely do that uh, passing attack if you need to do that to, like you said, extend that running game. I think Kansas City, they kind of use Kelsey in that role sometimes, you see. Uh, taking the place of that running back. And you see those little four or five safe passes, settle the offense down, lull the defense to sleep. Um, But no reason you can't do that with the running back either. I agree. And let's talk about some of the key matchups in this game. For me, I'm looking at uh, Jaron Reed and Chris Jones. As long as you keep him at D-tackle, Steve Spagnuolo, do not kick him out to edge, man. You're, You're wasting time and talent by doing that, Steve Spagnuolo. Chris Jones and Jaron Reed going up against Corey Lindsley and that vastly improved Chargers interior offensive line. Corey Lindsley was an all pro last year and he's picked up right where he left off. Yeah. For the, for the Chargers, you really see that offensive line has been driving their success this year. Uh, The protection up front for, you know, getting uh, Herbert time to do what he does best and, 
yeah, Lindsley, we, we talked about Rashawn Slater after week one as well. I mean, what a great find there for, you know, it's like getting a free player there. You get a, you know, you get a potential all pro left tackle falling into your lap uh, like that. I mean, couldn't ask for anything better for that, but yeah, so definitely that interior off uh, offensive line for uh, the chargers. I keep wanting to say San Diego. It's been years. I keep, <laughs> you have to stop myself from saying that the Los Angeles chargers interior offensive line. Yes, definitely. The line has been a strength. Uh, the Chiefs defense, if they're going to get better, it's going to start there in the trenches where, like you said, uh, kick Jones inside, you know, Jaron Reed, let's step that up. Um, you know, we need to see, we need to see that Chiefs defense be able to control the line of scrimmage, penetrate from the interior to disrupt the passing game and, you know, let Frank Clark come around the end throw Alex Okafor out there. I don't care, but keep Chris Jones inside. I can't agree with you anymore. That interior disruption, both in the passing and running game is just what makes him so special. And another matchup that the chiefs are going to have to win their fair share of reps is Frank Clark potentially going against uh, Rashawn Slater or uh, Stone Forsyth, who I believe is starting at right tackle for the injured Brian Bulaga. I think they're going to put Frank Clark on Forsyth, and Clark is going to have to really, really, really take advantage of that matchup because they got to bottle Herbert up in the pocket and can't let him get loose outside because that's where he creates all that chaos and damage to a defense. That's another key matchup I am watching. And if you flip the script uh, as far as the Chargers' defense against the Chiefs' uh, offense, uh, what matchups are you looking for there? Well, I mean, you're going to look at that uh, Chargers pass rush, the same thing here. You know, can they disrupt and get Patrick Mahomes uh, uncomfortable? And I don't think you're going to sack Patrick Mahomes six times in a game very often um, outside of the Super Bowl. That kind of disruption, you're not going to get that with that upgraded offensive line. But a controlled pass rush, Patrick Mahomes does so much damage outside the pocket and you can't just have your edge defenders pinning their air back and ending up 10 yards down uh, into the backfield and giving Patrick Mahomes time to extend plays with his legs, get outside the pocket. And that's where you see Tyreek Hill get lost behind the safety and those big plays. So, you know, Joey Bosa, uh, we need to see that um, pass rush, but keep him in the pocket, keep it contained. And if they can do that against the Chiefs off the, the Chiefs rebuilt offensive line here um, and get that consistent pressure off the edge, Orlando Brown, great run block, great run blocker for in his time in Baltimore. Still some questions about that pass blocking. I always thought he was a little better against the run than against the pass. So um, there's going to be some pressure on the outside for Kansas City from that Chargers pass rush. And if there is one defender in that minute group of players that could go toe-to-toe with Ch- Travis Kelsey, mano mano it's Derwin James. I am looking oh, to yeah. see Brandon Staley try to utilize Derwin James as the tight end eraser. If they're able to take away Travis Kelsey, that opens up their defensive playbook big time. Definitely. And, you know, taking away Kelsey, it's easier said than done. You need somebody that can cover like a cornerback that has the size of a strength of a safety and the strength of a linebacker. And 
we talked about Derwin James last week on the pod. Basically, he's all three and one. So that's a great, great point, David. He could be the X factor in this game if you can eliminate a big part of that Kansas City offense, take away that safety blanket from Mahomes. Wow, that could be make that a real, real, real exciting matchup there. And who comes away with the victory Sunday at Arrowhead? Is it Justin Herbert and the Chargers or Patrick Mahomes and the homeboy Chiefs? I'm picking the Chargers. Mahomey boys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking the Chargers. I've got them uh, winning this game 35 to 31. And you'll hear more about that at my bold prediction at the end. Oh, we're on there. All right. Our simpatico here. The Chargers, uh, they shot themselves in the foot last week against the Cowboys. That was a game they should have won. But what is different about Brandon Staley compared to Anthony Lynn is Brandon Staley is going to do a much better job of making the team move on from that mistake and win a statement game at Arrowhead. And plus, the way that Chiefs defense has been playing so far, I don't trust them against Justin Herbert. If they can't stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, if they get punched in the mouth by Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, I, I can't see them fixing it immediately against Justin Herbert. It's going to be Chargers uh, by a score of uh, 35-31, as you said. We are simpatico there, but Perfect. another potential game with fireworks in the afternoon. Tom Brady and the defending champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, traveling to the site of Super Bowl 56. SoFi Stadium to take on Matthew Stafford and the Rams. But before we discuss this matchup, this just came in from Adam Schefter. Antonio Brown tested positive for COVID-19. And although I believe Antonio Brown is vaccinated, yeah, 100% of Bucks uh, coaches and players and team personnel are vaccinated. Good job, Bucks. Uh, a player that tests positive that is fully vaccinated can return after two negative tests 24 hours apart. But it is going to be very, very hard for Antonio Brown to clear that hurdle by Sunday, knowing the biological characteristics of COVID-19. So without Antonio Brown, how much does that damage the Bucks' offense in this game? Well, on one hand, you can say, well, that's, you know, a big part of that offense. And then you look at that depth chart in Tampa Bay at the receiver position and you go, eh, they even need them. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know, Mike Evans and is and Chris Godwin, obviously, you know, one of the best duos in the NFL over the past few years. That's well established. And, you know, Scotty Miller, dynamite year last year, you know, I mean, underrated. He was holding his own as a number, uh, one of the better number three receivers before Antonio Brown was was signed and, you know, bumped him out of that spot. So. Um, I'm not holding my breath on that as being a, a, a big loss. I think Scotty Miller can step right into that role. And, you know, maybe we see more of uh, rookie Jalen Darden or someone out there as Tyler well. Johnson? Tyler, Tyler Johnson? Tyler Johnson, yeah, well. exactly. So, yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of playmakers there for Tom Brady. I don't, I don't think taking Antonio Brown out if he doesn't play is going to be uh, devastating to this offense yeah. or – even affected in any way yeah and plus you could always use more 12 personnel sets with Gronk and Cameron Bray that uh, should be no problem and uh, moving on to the game John Ledyard one of the best football minds out there at Ledyard NFL and he covers the Bucks for Pewter Report 
In the two previous games that the Todd Bowles-led Tampa D played against the Rams, Sean McVay dialed up 121 passes and only handed off the ball to running backs 26 times. Yet the end result, 931 total yards and 67 points allowed despite turning over Jared Goff six times. And Ledyard further added uh, in his Twitter commentary last night that Todd Bowles must significantly alter his defensive approach for this week where Stafford and Sean McVay and company could absolutely shred this Bucks defense to pieces. What alterations do you think that Todd Bowles should make in your view for this week? Should he consider not blitzing as much or something like that? Yeah, I mean, he's got the talent to go four or five pass rushers and, you know, let them do their thing. Um, you know, let them generate pressure organically. They've got the talent up front. Vita Vey, Sue, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett. I mean, you shouldn't have to blitz with those players there. You should be able to run that defense and drop that extra defender into the middle of the field without a second thought. Uh, you know, uh, let Levante David and Devin White do their thing, taking away that short passing game. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't see why they need to blitz more than a handful of times. I think that's the best strategy for the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, especially given all the weapons Matthew Stafford has at his disposal and Matthew Stafford being an upgrade over Jared Goff, Bucks are going to really have to alter their game plan that they've had against the Rams in the recent past. And speaking of the Rams offense, in a slight but potentially significant lineup change, Sean McVay said a few days ago that Sony Michelle, who killed the Rams in the Super Bowl when he was with your New England Patriots, he will get the start at running back in place of Daryl Henderson. And Daryl Henderson, by the way, he's still expected to play, but he's dealing with a rib cartilage injury, so he might not get as many touches as Sony Michelle in this game. What does Sony Michelle bring to the Rams ground game that Daryl Henderson does not? And how key is he to a Rams victory on Sunday? Uh, you know, I think Michelle certainly has the experience, a little more experience than Henderson, but not as much experience in that offense. And so that's that double-edged sword that they're going to get. Michelle, uh, power running game, breakaway ability. We didn't see it as much in New England as, as everyone had hoped with him as a first-round draft pick. And, you know, coming out of Georgia, one of the things about Michelle that was hyped up was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And up until last year, um, when Cam Newton was at quarterback, we didn't see Tom Brady throw a pass to Sony Michelle in three years. I don't know. You know, I don't know if he didn't like him or, you know, he uh, stole his uh, TB 12 lunch or something. <laughs> I don't know what that deal was there, but, but so, you know, Michelle is a receiver out of the backfield. I'm, very interested to see how he's utilized by Sean McVay there. And if he can bring that to that passing attack, don't even worry about handing him off the ball. Oh uh, yeah. Said the uh, Rams are probably not going to want to run a lot because of that stout bucks front. They're impossible to run against. It's a big, literal brick wall with the Dominican Sioux and Vita Vea in that middle. It's going to be almost impossible for the Rams to uh, run the ball. So they better hope Sony Michelle's receiving chops have improved since he left New England. And now when you look at some of the key matchups in this game, last week we got to see Aaron Donald going against Quentin Nelson. I'd be the best trench matchup of the year. But if there's one that plays second fiddle to that, it could be the one this week with Aaron Donald going against one of the best interior offensive line duos in the NFL in Buck Center, Ryan Jetson and guard Ali Marpet. That is going to be must-see TV. 
Yeah, that's a great matchup there, those two. And I'd put them both on them. I don't care. <laughs> Aaron Donald, if you're not doubling them every play, I don't know what you're doing there. So, um, you know, talk about a two-on-one. First thing you got to do, keep that quarter, keep Aaron Donald off your quarterback. If you have to put two top offensive linemen on him, go right ahead. Um, that's your that's step one to any success you're going to have against the Rams is, uh, you know, find Donald, block Donald, many bodies as possible. And what other matchups are you looking at Sunday at SoFi Stadium? Well, I want to see the, uh, you know, the Tampa secondary going up against these wide receivers here for the Rams, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. We know what they can do, but Van Jefferson, yeah. you know, uh, oh, oh, breakout city here. Talk about uh, exploding this year. He's looked fantastic. So, you know, you're throwing those three out there. Um, Tampa, you know, we know they're a little dinged up in the secondary as well. So a lot of pressure on Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, um, you know, Ross Cockrell out there as well. Uh, those guys are going to have their work cut out for them. Oh and they better get some help from that pass rush because oh that God. could be a long day. If I'm Todd Bowles, I'm telling Ross Cockrell, stay away from Cup and Woods. Stay away from Cup and Woods. <laughs> uh, because if uh, you have either Cup or Woods match up against Ross Cockrell, Stafford is going to take the cheese every single time and make you pay. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough matchup there for that secondary. Um, be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. And I, and I think that's one of the big matchups um, that the Rams are going to look to exploit. And, you know, if that offensive line can hold up and give Stafford that time, uh, you know, that's going to be a heck of a game here. It is. Uh, this sure. is an even pretty evenly matched game for the most part, in my opinion. And this could easily be an early NFC championship preview here. I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be high scoring. I wanted to pick the Rams, but I am just not the guy to bet against Tom Brady. I'm just not. <laughs> that was a different um, Bucks team. The Rams beat on Monday night football last year before they hit their stride. Now the Bucks have hit their stride. I like the Bucks in a very, very close 34-31 game. Yeah, I, I think there's going to have to be a weird bounce or a fumble or something. Something strange is going to have to go on if, if we're going to see the Rams pull this out. But you know what? I'm going to say something weird happens. I mean, it's too easy to just pick Tampa every single week because you look at you just look at the and you go, oh, yes, they, they, they could win all 17 games. Of course, they're going to be favorites in all those games. Why wouldn't they be? Look at that team. So I'm going to say this is the weird bounce week. I'm going to take the Rams in the upset 30 to 29 over Tampa. Yep. Quintessential coin flip game. And now it's time to pick the rest of these week three matchups, starting with tonight's game in Houston where the red-hot Carolina Panthers, led by that amazing number-one-ranked defense, take on Davis Mills and that Texans offense. And, uh, yeah, the Texans, uh, they have some veterans on that team that are going to keep this game uh, closer than some expect for a two, two-and-a-half to three-quarters, but I believe the Panthers pull away in the end. I, I'm trying to figure out how Houston's going to score a point. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to that point possible. yet. So I've, I've got – Carolina in a snoozer 23 to nothing 
Yeah. Um, yes, I agree with you right there. Carolina Panthers going to 3-0 and against uh, Davis Mills, who is going to have a very, very tough time against that Panthers defense. They're going to give him fits all game long by blitzing him time after time after time. Your New England Patriots play host to the quarterback the Panthers gave a headache to in week two, Jameis Winston, and the Patriots coming off four interceptions of Zach Wilson. I, if the Saints were back in New Orleans, I might pick the Saints, but I just can't go against the Patriots at home this time. Uh, they should have, they should be two and oh right now. They should have beat Miami in week one because they dominated the time possession. They're not going to make the same mistakes against the New Orleans Saints. Patriots uh, pull off a relatively close 23 uh, 16 win. Yeah, it, it, I, I wish there were more games. Brady Breeze, you know, New England. Um, New England, New Orleans, because it seems like every time they get together, it's a close game. It's a fun game. You know, uh, so much respect the two head coaches have for them, for each other, Belichick and Peyton, a great offensive mind, a great defensive mind. It's always so exciting. I I said the same thing. You know, New Orleans has been through the ringer. Let's face it. They can't practice at the Super Bowl the Superdome roof is on fire. What's going on here? Coaches with COVID. I mean, they didn't have any coaches on the sideline last week. It was, you know, it's, it's just too much. And like I said, if it, if, if it was a little more normalized, I think, you know, I'd say this is going to be one of those coin flip games. And I might even give the saints a, a brief edge um, because, you know, Alvin Kamara, Patriots defense is one of those ones that as strong as they are, they don't have that explosive run stopper that somebody to that explosive speed and size to cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. So I think that's something New Orleans can really exploit. And I really wanted to pick them, but that's the way their season's going for them so far this season. I I just can't, I'm going to give it to New England 24 to 20, but it's going to be close. I agree. It's going to be close as well. The Washington football team traveling to Buffalo to take on the bills in a matter of teacher against student Ron Rivera against Sean McDermott, who was his defensive coordinator in Carolina for quite a long time. I really think this game is going to be very, 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 very close. I think uh, both these defenses uh, actually, but the Buffalo defense has actually been playing better than Washington's defense so far. Washington's defense has been a relative disappointment so far. Gregory Rousseau, man, he looks the part. He looks like the answer to that pass rush. I think uh, Washington's defense comes alive in this game to a certain degree, and they keep it close throughout most of the game. But in the end, I trust Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense to make more plays than Washington. I'm going with Buffalo, but I think Washington covers the spread. Yeah, uh, Buffalo humiliated me for picking against them in the upset special last week. So uh, they've really grounded in against uh, that 35 to nothing shellacking. So Buffalo, uh, uh, my apologies. I'm back on the bandwagon. Easy win, 24-16. All right. The Atlanta Falcons traveling to MetLife Stadium to take on the Giants in a potential uh, showdown of two teams that are going to be picking in the top five draft picks uh, in April. And uh, I went back and forth. Yeah, the Falcons put up an inspiring fight for some time in Tampa last week, but the Giants should have won last week, and they're coming off a week and a half of rest, and I think they use that rest of their advantage to pull off a win over the Falcons at home. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta, you know, we see that sometimes these teams get up for these big games. They keep it close in that first half. Um, I mean, we saw Detroit Monday night against Green Bay with the lead at halftime. 
and you know then everything comes crashing down and there's that inevitable letdown the next week and and i think that's what's coming here as well um so yeah definitely atlanta put up the good fight i'm with you on that but giants take it 24 to 20. The Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz's bum ankles traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans in a divisional battle here. And uh, Carson Wentz said today that uh, it's uh, not going to be up to him as to whether he plays it. So it's going to be up to the coaches and the medical staff. But uh, pro football doc, uh, that's his Twitter handle, Dr. David Chow, the former uh, team doctor for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, he believes that Carson Wentz should be able to play this Sunday. But even if Carson Wentz does play, I don't trust him with those bum ankles, even against a dreadful suspect Titans defense. And the way the Titans uh, concluded last week, I think they ride that momentum into a divisional game and grind out a, a very close, tough win against the Colts. It's going to be close. Colts are going to put up a fight, especially with the defense they have. But I think the Titans pull out a 23-20 win. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, they just keep winning these games where their defense just falls on their face and somehow they they offense bails them out i don't know that you can run derrick henry 35 times a week for 17 games but um if anybody is out there that would try it it's probably mike vrabel so uh, tennessee they're going to give up a bunch of points no matter who's at quarterback at indy but they'll hang on for a close win 29 27. kyler murray and the red hot arizona cardinals Traveling to Jacksonville to take on struggling Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And according to Pro Football Focus, 36% of Trevor Lawrence's passes have been deemed uncatchable passes. That is the highest mark in the NFL. Uh, he is struggling more than I thought he would. And now he has to go up against a mean Arizona Cardinals front seven, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt against that offensive line, and that secondary covering Kyler Murray, that passing attack. Teddy Bridgewater shred them to pieces last week, and if Teddy Bridgewater could do that, Kyler Murray could do it even more. I like the Cardinals in an absolute blowout, say, 35-10. to 10. Uh, you, you didn't, More, more, more. 55-13. <laughs> to 13. This is going to be... Um, just nasty. That's the only word I can put for that. Uh, you know, send, 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 send Urban Meyer out West with Arizona on his way to USC with him. 55, 13, big blowout here. Oh yeah. And, uh, you're with your dog. Uh, uh I mean, he's, he's all excited about it. He's uh, all behind uh, Arizona right now. Uh, and that makes sense. And your dog was probably a screaming, a fire urban, fire urban. If he was a Jacksonville <laughs> fan, that's, there's going to be the fire urban chance after this game should go the way you and I expect it will. The Cincinnati Bengals coming off a rough loss to the bears, even though they almost miraculously pulled it out, traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And yeah, there is a chance TJ Watt isn't going to play in this game, but I forgot when I was leaning towards picking the Bengals for a split second, the Steelers also have this guy, Melvin Ingram, who's been balling this year. And this guy, Cameron Hayward, who might be Hall of Fame caliber when all is said and done. He has, is very, very similar to Richard Seymour. And those aren't my words. Those are former NFL offensive lineman and uh, NFL broadcaster, podcaster, Ross Tucker's words. And Ross Tucker knows a thing or two about offensive line and defensive line play, having played offensive line himself in the NFL. Uh, Cameron Hayward, he is going to just push that pocket and give Joe Burrow nightmares. And as long as the Steelers could get Devin Bush and Joe Hayden back for this game, I like them to win rather comfortably. But even if they don't come back, I still like Pittsburgh to squeak out a, an ugly low scoring 16 to 13 win. 
I'm right with you on that, David. Um, you know, I got a little overexcited with the thought of Cincinnati 2-0 uh, last week when we were making our picks there. And and I'll admit it, I uh, went a little overboard on the Cincinnati bandwagon. So I, I'm a little more grounded now. Uh, low scoring, yes. Ugly, definitely. Uh, you like that classic AFC North defensive battle. Uh, this is going to be the game right here. I've got Pittsburgh taking it 13 to 11. Bet the under. Ooh, bet the under indeed. Justin Fields time in Chicago as he makes his first NFL start in Cleveland as the Bears take on the Cleveland Browns. I am looking at this as my upset special of the week. Ooh. I just am a big, big believer in Justin Fields. And it's not my Bears homers. If Andy Dalton was signing this game, I would have picked the Browns. But Justin Fields is just so, 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 so special. He is that good. Just you, you could see it in preseason. And you saw it last week when he threw that pick six that allowed the Bengals in the game. And they were down with third and 10, uh, in which they, if they didn't convert, they would have had to punt the ball back to Joe Burrow and the Bengals would have had a chance to pull off uh, one of the most stunning comebacks in recent years, but Justin Fields said, hell no, I'm running for that first down, and he did. He's got one of the shortest memories life. He immediately bounces back from his mistakes. He's going to make some mistakes, but he's going to bounce back from them. I have him and the Bears winning, and how? Stay tuned for bowl predictions. Bears over Browns in my upset special. The Bears bear down. Oh, Chicago I... Bears make every play clear the way to victory. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, yeah, no, not against the Browns though. Um, <laughs> I support it a hundred percent. I'm rooting for Justin Fields 100% as well. I love Justin Fields. Um, he's gonna take some lumps here this year. I'm glad he's at least out on the field to learn as a rookie, make his mistakes and learn from them. So, uh, Cleveland 27, 16 is how I have it over the Bears. And in another AFC North, NFC North matchup, the Baltimore Ravens fresh off their incredible statement win on Sunday night over the Chiefs, traveling to Motown to take on the Lions. This is my lock of the week, Ravens all day long. Yeah, I, I thought about this as an upset special. I thought, you know, Detroit in that first half, they look good. They're going to be hungry. But now I'm going, you know, short week. Baltimore, is, is, there, is John Harbaugh going to have a letdown? Is he going to allow that team to have a letdown against the Lions? No, 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 no. So I'll let the Lions stay close, but Baltimore, 28-25. My other favorite team, the 2-0 Denver Broncos, playing host to the struggling 0-2 New York Jets. But how? I am not sure. What do you think? <laughs> Lock of the week. Lock it in. Locked, locked, locked. Don't. Take no. Denver. Take all the points. No. Take Denver. No doubt about it. No doubt. Easy cruise control. I don't even have the Jets getting in the end zone. 27-9 Denver. Cakewalk. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. The Broncos, they're going to miss Bradley Chubb. They're going to miss Josie Jewell, who's grown into an underrated linebacker. Yes. Uh, Jerry Judy, they're going to especially miss him going up against uh, better teams as they will beginning with week four against the Ravens. Uh, I fully expect to see a much better New York Jets team 
this week compared to last week. And I expect them to cover the spread. Even before I learned about the injury news to the Broncos, I laughed at that spread. It's like, oh my God, 11 points. That's way too much. That's way too much. Uh, I think the Jets keep it close for most of the game. But in the end, I believe that the Broncos are still a better team and they pull it off in the end. But the Jets cover the spread. And that is one of my surest bets of the week, the Jets covering the spread. And if you have money to bet, bet on the Jets covering the spread, folks. And the Miami Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett starting a quarterback this week because Tua Tungavailoa has fractured ribs, traveling to Sin City to take on Derek Carr on the Las Vegas Raiders. I think this is more of a lock than Broncos over Jets, Hal. Oh, well, I'm with you. I, you know, have very little confidence based on Jacoby Brissett after what he did in Indianapolis. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, Vegas, they're just going to outscore him. I, like I said, I'm not sold on the defense, but I'm definitely not sold on the Miami offense this week without Tua. So definitely you can lock this one in as well. I have no problem with that. I've got Vegas in a snoozer, 33 to 16. The Seattle Seahawks, after that choke job at home against the Tennessee Titans, traveling to Minnesota to take on a hungry 0-2 Vikings team that could easily be 2-0. Yes, Russell Wilson is better than Kirk Cousins, but I am going to go with the Minnesota Vikings in this game because uh, they're going to be hungry. Uh, the players love Mike Zimmer there, and there's absolutely no sign that they've quit playing for him because they could have just rolled down against Arizona given all the injuries they had going into that game, and they played him in the final seconds, and they should have won on that last-second field goal. They're going to come in angry. They're going to come in wanting to play to help save Mike Zimmer's job. Vikings take a close one, 31-27. to 27. Woo, sound that simpatico alert, David. <laughs> I, we are right there. I have Minnesota 30 to 27, but the exact same reasoning there. This team is so close to a W and I think they, you know, that passing game, Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne, that new big three in Minnesota going to get the job done this week here. So uh, I'm with you hundred percent on this one, Minnesota uh, instead of four by three over the Seahawks. Sunday night, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, fresh off their get well game against the Lions, travel to the Bay Area to take on Jimmy G and the 49ers at Levi Stadium. And looking at this game, uh, people look at the quarterback and say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is so much better than Jimmy G still. Uh, Packers should win, but I don't think the rest of that Packers roster matches up well with this 49ers roster. I just do not. Was Darius Smith out? against that Lions offensive line, they were almost shut out in that pass rush against Jared Goff last week. They missed Zedaria Smith so badly, and now they're going up against Trent Williams and that 49ers offensive line, which has been one of the best units for two weeks and is one of the best units in the NFL. Jimmy G is going to have all night to pick apart a extremely suspect Packers defense, and the Packers offensive line minus David Bakhtiari, they're going to have a hard time handling the front four of the 49ers. I like the 49ers. Yeah, I like the 49ers too, David, just like you laid it out there. Um, you know, Green Bay, one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams, which which team showing up this week? You know, is it the team that gives up 38 or the team that scores 35 or is it somewhere right in the middle? Um, we know what we got with San Francisco there. Uh, that offense is efficient 
uh, Shanahan running the show. And I think, like you said, that that big advantage is on the defense for San Francisco right now. So I have them taking it. Aaron Rodgers alone can keep it close, but San Francisco 30, Green Bay 24 in a very entertaining Sunday night game. And a Monday night matchup in the NFC East concludes week three as the Eagles and Jalen Hurts traveling to Jerry World to take on Dak and the Cowboys. And uh, this is going to be an intriguing game because Micah Parsons, as we alluded to last week, we could see more of him at edge given the DeMarcus Lawrence injury. And boy, did he do excellent at edge. But this week he might have to go up against Lane Johnson, who is one of the top... um, Five offensive tackles in the NFL at least. And by the way, a shout out to Lane Johnson's agent, Ken Sarnoff, who's a good friend of the pod. Um, That is going to be intriguing to watch. But uh, Jalen Hurts came down to earth last week against the 49ers. And yes, the Cowboys defense is not the 49ers defense. And the Eagles will keep it close. But I do not trust that Eagles secondary uh, to uh, contain Dak in that uh, passing game. I believe the Cowboys eke out a hard-fought win on Monday Night Football 27-24. Yeah, I, I'm picking the Cowboys as well. I I can see it going to Philadelphia, but I think last week we saw it when they went up against San Francisco. Other than that, one big play by Quez Watkins. I mean, uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager. Oh, I was never so happy to have Jalen Rager on the bench instead of my starting lineup in fantasy. Oh, best move I made all year right there. So patting myself on the back. I think Dallas takes it. 31 to 23 over the Eagles on Monday night. And now for our bowl predictions for week three, Hal, you go first. Yeah. So mine going back to that Chargers chiefs, that fun matchup. So, uh, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, can the kid out duel the superstar who's already established Herbert five touchdown passes against this suddenly suspect Kansas city defense over 450 yards to that through the air leading them on a go-ahead touchdown with less than two minutes to play to take that 35-31 score. But how does it stay that way if you leave time on the clock? None other than who we were talking about, Derwin James, with the huge interception of Patrick Mahomes to seal the game with less than a minute to play. And that's how the Chargers, my bold prediction... Hold off the Chiefs. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I don't think I can top that for this week. But here you go. Justin Fields, in an upset win over the Browns, throws for 300 or more passing yards, runs for at least 75 on the ground, and scores five total touchdowns. So we both have somebody, a quarterback named Justin, a young potential superstar quarterback named Justin, throwing a for five touchdowns or scoring five touchdowns. So, so we might sound a semi simpatico alert there. That's the semi simpatico <laughs> Love it. Yes. And uh, loud on to our challenge flags to conclude the program. I'm going to go first here. And once again, my challenge flag goes to Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Nagy. Play to Justin Fields' strengths. Put him in the best possible position to succeed so you don't even have to consider going back to Andy Dalton when Andy Dalton's bone bruise heals up. Call as many deep shots as you can. Justin Fields, one of his trademarks is his deep ball accuracy. Call a design run or two. Move him outside the pocket on play fake boots. Move the pocket however you can. Play to Justin Fields' strikes, Matt Nagy. This is your only chance to keep your job. I like it. I like it. All right. My challenge flag is going out to all 
of the 0-2 teams in the NFL right now. Last year, no team started 0-2 and made the playoffs. So Jets, Jags, Lions, Falcons. All right, maybe not you guys, but Giants, Colts, and especially the the Vikings. Get that first W. Turn your season around. Zero and two teams have won the Super Bowl in the past. We've seen it. Playoffs are in reach. Don't give up on your season. Oh, and two teams get out there and fight this week. I'm rooting for all of you. He is Hal Beth, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his work at bossetsportpage.com and at fullpresscoverage.com. Hal, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week three, preview week four, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Hal on Twitter at HalBent01. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at sportscrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's crunch with a K. And check out our new and improved website www.sportscrunch.com for hell bet this is david cromwell saying so long stay awesome stay safe stay sane and if you haven't done so yet please please get your covid19 vaccine i promise 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 you that it will literally literally help save your life but if you don't want a vaccine just please do whatever is required to protect yourself and your friends take care cats and kittens and stay cool <laughs>